Stay tuned for Captain Tracy Began of the Living Beyond Pain podcast, produced by the Defense Health Agency. Welcome back to the Living Beyond Pain podcast. This is Captain Tracy Began, and today I have a special guest, one of my mentors and the person who introduced me to the Living Beyond Pain curriculum while I was training at the Bay Pines VA, Dr. Reed Miller. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you, Dr. Began. So today I wanted to talk to you about cognitive coping, and that seems like a mouthful. So could you break that down for our listeners? Yeah, I will do my best here. I do think of the various sessions in this program that this is the one that we probably have to think about and speak about the slowest. It's, it's good to slow it down in order to understand it well. Because in part, what we're doing is we're thinking about how we think, and that can be a a tricky thing. But in general, cognitive coping is about taking a look at our thought processes and how they affect our experience of our pain and learning how to work with those thought processes or, or modify them, if you will, in a manner that our thoughts become as beneficial and productive for us as possible. So it's really about taking a look at how our thought processes are happening and kind of what roads they're taking us down, if I'm understanding you correctly. Right. Yes, absolutely. There's a true connection between how we think and our pain experience. And there's also a connection between how we think and how we feel, how we think and how we behave. All four of those issues affect one another. So our pain affects how we think and how we feel and and how we behave, and and, and they all interact. So what we're looking at in this session specifically is how our thinking contributes to how we feel and what we do and our pain experience. So this is one of my favorite examples. I think it's important to understand that our ability to think and these types of thoughts happen very rapidly, so we're, we're really not even aware that they're occurring. But our ability to think and the thoughts that we use is part of what makes us distinct from other animals. Uh, humans are, are very unique in our ability to do this. So essentially what happens for us that differs from other animals is that an event happens And an animal, say a dog, doesn't really think about that event. They just have kind of an instinctual response to it. And for humans, the event happens. We think about it, and then we have our response to it. So if we filled a room with 10 dogs, and we showed them a big, fat, juicy steak, we would have 10 salivating dogs who were interested in eating that steak. It's very different for humans. How we respond depends not on the steak, but what we think about the steak. So let's fill a room with 10 humans and show them the same steak. We may have six or seven humans that are very interested in that steak. In fact, they may be salivating and they may be thinking about how they're going to cook it. But we could also have a couple people in that room who don't eat red meat, who are maybe vegetarian or vegan and think that that the steak looks to them as disgusting And they may not feel hungry at all. In fact, they may feel nauseated and then they may be repulsed. And then we might have a person in the room who really likes red meat, but their physician has told them they have high cholesterol and they can't eat it. So that person's going to be sitting there and they're going to be upset or frustrated or angry. 
and see we have these 10 humans, the same stimulus or the same issue that they're confronting, such as this steak, and we have three very distinct responses to that. And the reason we have different responses to that is how the people think about that steak. Just as you, you were talking about that example, that really gets me thinking, too, about how people also think about pain and how they experience pain. We could right. all have the same injury, and it could be very different how we experience that injury. And sometimes that can be frustrating for, for folks that are experiencing chronic pain because somebody might be very dismissive of their experience and what they're saying their experience is. Right. And then you were talking about the kind of rapid fire that our thoughts take hold of us. You know, we, we call those automatic negative thoughts sometimes that will just pop in our head when we're having a flare up or when we're thinking about our pain. Can you tell us a little bit about some of the common automatic negative thoughts or as we call them, ants? Right, yes. So these ants do develop for us in all areas of life. And really what happens is it's it's just something that happens to our thinking as we go about trying to cope with those things that we're trying to cope with. And specifically with pain, we end up with some automatic negative thoughts that actually can make our pain experience a bit more challenging for us. There are different types of automatic negative thoughts that we talk about. Some of the more common ones are all or nothing thinking. And this is where we might see something as completely good or completely bad, really not thinking about the intricacies of what's happening in our life, but, but maybe more looking at it as just good or just bad. There's also what's referred to as oversimplifying, and this is what it sounds like. It's just where we see one negative or bad event in our life, and and we think that that means that everything's going to be bad. So, you know, an example of that might be waking up in the morning and our pain is particularly challenging that day, and we decide that we're just going to have a terrible day. And the likelihood, if that is the direction that our thinking is going, is that we're going to have a terrible day. It, it just tends to complicate the pain process. And I'll mention one other uh, ant in particular because it happens to be one of my personal favorites, and that's jumping to conclusions. And that's where we come to a conclusion without really sufficient evidence or facts for the conclusion. So this might be where I decide because I've gone to uh, maybe two sessions of this pain program that we're talking about, and I haven't experienced much of an improvement in pain, I might decide or jump to the conclusion that this program's just not going to be helpful at all when I really don't have enough facts to make that determination. And if I do jump to that conclusion, the likelihood is that my pain experience is going to increase. So those are some examples of, of ANTS. And the patients I work with as well, jumping to conclusions, particularly with individuals experiencing chronic pain, I also see play out in their decisions to engage in, in any kind of movement or any kind of exercise. There's this thought of, well, if I do this, I'm going to hurt myself and I'm going to re-injure myself. So even those automatic negative thoughts really can have an impact on our behaviors as well as our emotions, just like you were talking about kind of that that triad of our thoughts and emotions impacting our behaviors. Yeah, absolutely. Those those three things, how we think, how we feel, and what we do, they're very much interlinked. They affect one another 
and uh, how we think can definitely affect how we behave. If, we, if we're telling ourselves that there isn't any hope in improvement, the likelihood is we won't engage in any behaviors that are directed towards improving the situation. But if we tell ourselves even just there might be, it's possible, or this doctor sitting in front of me is telling me this is going to be helpful, I'm going to give him the benefit, give him or her the benefit of the doubt and give this a shot, then the likelihood is that we may find ourselves in a position where we're having engaging in behaviors that actually help our pain experience decrease. So we've identified some of the really common automatic negative thoughts in those ants. What are some strategies, because it sounds like you started to talk about one about pushing back against these ants. So what are some strategies that our listeners can use to start implementing on their own? Probably the first thing that's helpful to do is just to accept that it is part of the human condition that we have these, that it's, this is very much what's happen, what happens for us as we go through our lives, as we, we develop these ways of understanding our world. So it sounds like just even being able to identify what some of those common automatic negative thoughts, whether it's jumping to conclusions, using our emotions to reason, oversimplifying, just even identifying those thought patterns can be helpful in slowing down our thinking. Absolutely. I want to emphasize that what we're talking about here are what we would refer to as cognitive skills. And the, the nice thing about that, the thing that gives me hope and, and the reason that I see that this works for a lot of people is as with other skills in our life, if we practice them and we practice them well, we will get better at them. And that is definitely true in my experience with the skills in modifying automatic negative thoughts. Is if we practice them, we tend to get better and better at them. So one of the very first things to do is to identify what they are. Sit down and think about, okay, I just had a significant pain experience. What was I thinking? What were my thoughts and was I using any of these ants? And once we identify that, having that balanced look and even taking a sheet of paper and writing out, what's the evidence for that thought? Sometimes we can, you know, with that all or nothing of I'll always feel pain, I never have a good day. And when we're using some of that, you know, very final and, and very, you know, definitive language in our in our thought processes or even in our words, that can be very difficult to overcome. But being able to step back and having that balanced look and saying, okay, well, sometimes that's true, yes, and sometimes I have bad days. But, you know, maybe yesterday it wasn't as painful to get out of bed. And I was able to actually get out to the grocery store or, you know, I could go out for a five-minute walk and it wasn't as painful. So really being able to push back against that all-or-nothing kind of thinking. Right. What we're really doing at this stage is trying to identify the accuracy of our statement and trying to come up eventually with the most accurate thought that we can in regards to our pain experience very, very often our automatic negative thoughts are inaccurate in some way. And again, that's just part of being a human. It's just part of what our brains do. And if we can slow the process down, identify the thought, and look at how is this accurate and how might it be inaccurate, either in the content of it or the intensity of it, that really brings us a long way to being able to benefit ourselves by modifying our thoughts. If we can 
get to the point where we're using more accurate interpretations about what's happening in our life, the likelihood is our life experience is going to improve. And specifically, in this case, the likelihood is that our pain experience is going to be reduced. So it sounds like there are some really practical skills that uh, individuals experiencing chronic pain can learn just by shifting the way they're looking at their thoughts and being able to identify what some of those common automatic negative thoughts are. That's really the hope of this series, this podcast series, is to give individuals some tangible tools and some realistic tools where they're not, you know, having to wait to go see their primary care provider or having to wait for a medication prescription to be filled. Yeah, and and specifically in this program, we use what are called thought log worksheets, which help take us step by step through this process of identifying an automatic negative thought, evaluating it for accuracy, coming up with an alternative thought that we believe to be more accurate. And we can do this at any point in time. We can do this when we're having the pain experience, or we can do it, say, at the end of the day, and we're reviewing our pain, and we want to learn about how did our thinking affect our pain. Not only is this something that can be done immediately and in the moment, But the effects of this are long-lasting. When one becomes well-practiced at this and is able to do it more effectively, more efficiently in the moment, this is a tremendous skill to have, and it takes people a long way in being able to reduce their pain. And if you had one thing to leave our listeners with as far as if they're struggling with chronic pain, what's the one thing that you would encourage them to do? The one thing that I would encourage would be a combination of working to stay positive, being patient with the process of learning to live with chronic pain, and to attend to the suggestions that their healthcare specialists are to providing, to just keep working on it. Well, Dr. Reed Miller, I just really want to say thank you so much for taking the time to chat with us and sharing your expertise and giving our listeners some really practical tools that they can use right away to help manage their pain experience. Thank you so much. It's been my pleasure to do this. You know, the reason that I do the work that I do is to try to be helpful to people. This has been an opportunity in which hopefully we've been able to do that. And for our listeners, we have some great resources in our show notes. Thank you again for taking the time to be with us today. The Living Beyond Pain podcast is produced by the Defense Health Agency. Until next time, be well.